Welcome to episode 206 of the Ask the Coach show, where Ping Skills helps you improve your table tennis. 206 is the lowest positive integer when written in English to employ all the vowels once only. As it's Wednesday, it's drill of the week time. In the questions, we're talking about high spinny lobs, the importance of speed versus spin, and the time you are allowed to spend between points. I'm Jeff Plum, and as always, Supercoach Alois Rosario is here with me to answer your questions. Welcome, Alois. Thanks, Jeff. I'm just trying to work it out. 206. Yeah, can't work it out. It's a bit difficult. Um, All the vowels only once. It's very exciting. Yeah, yeah, A, E, yeah. No, that's 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 really good. Thanks. All right, Alois. Well, what happened on this day in history? Ah, oh, now that's exciting. I, I have a list. I have a list. Um, <laughs> the 16th of December. 16th of December, yes. So um, some famous birthdays. 1952, Joel Garner, great West Indian cricketer. They need him now. They are oh, hopeless. they do. They should get him back. I reckon he could probably bowl better than some of those guys right now. 1952, he's pretty old. Um, <laughs> Jane, Jane Austen, who wrote Pride and Prejudice, a book I haven't read, but apparently it's good. Um, the great Ludwig von Beethoven. So, yes, great composer. Uh, Catherine of Aragon, I think she... One of those that had her head, one of one of the, the I think the first wife of Henry VIII. Oh yeah. dear, yeah, oh dear, I know. Arthur C. Clarke, who wrote um, two thousand and one, a space odyssey, and Kerry Ann Mock, who is the daughter of um, the 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 dynamo behind Vanuatu table tennis. So happy birthday to all of you. Well, most of them are like you know not here any longer, but Kerry Ann's still around. And Joel Garner, isn't he? Oh, yeah, probably. I hope so, yeah. They need him. They need him. Joel, if you're listening, we, they need you in Australia. Get, get <laughs> Excellent. All right, Alois. Um, now, let's just go straight into Drill of the Week because we've got an interesting one this week. Tell us about the Drill of the Week. Yeah, this is one of my favourites, the pushing game. So you know how boring pushing is to practice, right? You know, like no one wants to practice pushing. Um, and we say, okay, it's pushing time. Oh, great. So pushing, like, can be made into a game and it can be really interesting. And I found, like, even, like, bored kids, like, enjoy it. So the pushing <laughs> game is there's lots of there's lots of rules, lots of rules that you can start to implement. But the first basic rule you, you um, implement is that you're pushing to each other and the only way you can win a point is by getting the ball to touch the net and go over. Now, so that also means that if your opponent makes a mistake, hits into the net, hits it off, you don't get a point. The only way you can get a point, listen to that, the only way you can get a point is by pushing, the ball touches the net and goes over. So what's the purpose of that? Just trying to get you to push the ball lower. So often when we're pushing and and practicing, if we push the ball into the net, we think, oh, no, we made a mistake. But that's not really challenging how low you can keep that ball. So by doing this pushing game where you're trying to get the ball to touch the net and go over and there's no penalty for going too low, then 
it really encourages the players to, um, to keep the ball low. So that's the first rule. Then you can extend it a little bit. Um, so the next thing you can do is to start to recognize when the ball is short and long, so to encourage a short push, which is important, is that if you leave the ball and it only bounces once on your side and then the second bounce goes off the end, you get the point automatically. So uh, by doing that, firstly, you're recognizing when the ball is coming long and also it's encouraging your opponent to keep that ball short. So now we've incorporated keeping the ball low and keeping the ball short. The third thing that you can do is then just extend it a lot more. So now you do lose points if you make a mistake into the net or off the end. Um, you have those other rules, but also we introduce the one attack rule. So if the ball goes up high, because a lot of players, when they start to do this, they start to get a bit cluey and they start just lobbing the ball over and close to the net. Um, so by allowing one attack, so if you if Jeff pushes the ball up high to me, and even if it's short, I'm allowed to attack it. But if he gets that one back, then he gets the point. So you're only allowed the one attack. So sounds really complex, but um, we've got it um, uh, in our um, in our training secrets uh, section, and ex we explain it really well. Not like what I've just done, but we explain it really well. And we show you how to play that pushing game. As I said, pushing is so boring to practice most of the time. But if you do the pushing game and just extend it, you'll find that pushing can be fun. Excellent. Now, you're underselling pushing a little bit. You know, some people might enjoy it, but I guess you're right. Most people Who? find it boring. Who? <laughs> I, want you to name, I want you to name names. Who, who enjoys pushing? You never enjoyed pushing? Nah, not pushing practice, no. Okay. All right. Well, you know, I don't know. I think people realise how important it is and might enjoy it. Maybe not. Anyway, if you don't enjoy pushing or if you do, you're going to enjoy it more with this drill of the week. So start out with just the first rule um, about touching the net and then, you know, move on to the add in the second and third rules as you progress. And, yeah, get out there this week, try out the pushing game and let us know if it makes the boring pushing fun all right well done alloys i think people are going to like that i i think they will they, they they do they love it they love the pushing game all right let's move on to yesterday's ping skillers question of the day which was can fans and dong close the gap on ma long by the 2016 rio olympics yeah well it was an interesting question and quite a few different responses so sm said think he will. Um, Jonathan said, I don't think there's a gap anymore. It might just be daily form that decides future matches between them. Um, and Sammy, no way. Marlong is too strong. In addition, I do not feel Marlong was on his top form. So he was talking about the World Tour Grand Finals or even playing his best during the match. Um, and Keenan says, I think Fan Zendong has nearly the same skills as Ma Long, except the only difference is Ma Long has more experience. Fan Zendong was born to be a table tennis player and has so much natural capabilities, so many natural capabilities. Um, and then there was another, um, another line of, uh, of thinking. Um, so, sorry, I'm just going to the, the blog. 
Um, so Nigel said, having watched the match between Ma and Fan, I thought Fan seemed to get irritated when things got, didn't go his way in the early games. I believe he still needs to control his feelings better. And I don't think in the six months to Rio, he'll be able to do that. Um, so Fan has undoubtedly a great backhand, when he, which he relies on a little too much. Um, his shots aren't as balanced as Mars. So in my opinion, he will not close the gap in time. So, yeah, um, interesting. Suleiman said, uh, in my opinion, Fan Zendong has it in him to close that gap. However, I believe he still has to work on a few aspects, such as his mental game. So, yeah, so there you go. Look, some, um, some interesting discussion there. And a few people thinking that technically he's good, um, physically he's good, just might just be up here. Yeah, I mean, he's only 18 years old. You've got to remember that. So he's improved so quickly to this point. Uh, another six months to Rio. I mean, I think he's definitely got the potential to close the gap if there even is one, as people said. I mean, he's played um, Malong, you know, and got very close a lot of times. Uh, I think he can. I think he can do it. But will he? I don't know. That's the beauty about sport. We'll find out, I guess. What are your yeah, thoughts, yeah, Alex? The other, the other interesting thing is, I, I started. I tried to do a bit more research on um, the uh, qualification process, and uh, you know, we've we've discussed this previously. But you know. Um, Sometimes the best players don't even get to play because they don't qualify. So the Asian qualification um, is in April. Now, only two Chinese players can qualify for the singles. So at that Asian qualification tournament, it's really going to depend on who gets um, selected for that and who uh, comes through with the goods. So I'm not sure whether China actually enters more than two players into that qualification tournament. Um, if they do, then it's a real bun fight, isn't it, it for the for the two Chinese players to uh, to fight or, or for all the Chinese players to fight it out to get those two qualification spots. Interesting. Uh, I thought in the past there was also some rule about the top 20 players in the world getting automatic qualification. Does that sound ring a yeah, bell? I can't remember. Yeah, so that that's what I was trying that's what I was trying to research whether or what comes first, the qualification tournament or the ranking spots. Because if it's the ranking spots, then um, then the quali- then there won't be any Chinese in the qualification tournament. So, yeah, I'd uh, um, if anyone knows the answer to that, um, that would be good to good to know whether um, they first select the top twenty uh, world ranking spots um, with only a maximum of two um, uh, players from each country, and then they go to the qualification, which I think would make more sense. But yeah, let's. All let's right. Well, if you know, let us know. Uh, so yeah, jump on our Facebook page or on the Ping Seals blog. I'd love to hear from you. All right, Alois. Let's move on well, to today. Jeff, Jeff, actually, yeah, I, I wanted to add another point to our discussion. And, oh, you know, good. like I, I, I saw I saw a little um, post on Facebook the other day that um, that you had finally got under 30 seconds average for the Rubik's Cube. Well done, Jeffrey. Oh, thank yes. you. Yeah, just playing around at home. And my first time, they call it an average of five that I got under 30 seconds. So I am getting better. But it was a bit lucky, Alice. I mean, my average of 
a hundred still, you know, thirty-seven or something like that. But you know, on the right time with those five souls, under thirty seconds first time. Thirty-seven seconds, Jeff. What are you doing? Like, I know, I know. <laughs> it, um, you know, it seems fast to someone who you just say it to, but yeah, yeah it does. <laughs> but when you when you see the people that solve it in like six seconds or even ten seconds, it's like three times three and a half times slower and there's still so many pauses where I'm just trying to look for pieces. Um, so I've got a lot of improving to do if I want to get better. Jeff, the answer is practice. You just need to spend more time with the Rubik's cube um, and you know, you need to focus with your training. Just you know, no, no distractions. Okay. All right. I'll do that. I think, yeah, I think my family will be pleased if I just quit that and do that 40 hours a week. <laughs> good luck with that yes indeed all righty well uh let's move on to today's pink sealers question of the day which is who is favorite now for the women's singles at rio so jump on the facebook page or on the pink Seals blog and let us know who is the favorite now for the women's singles at the rio olympics love to hear your thoughts all right, Alois, time for some questions. And our first one is from Christian, who says, Today I encountered lobs which seemed to be spinny. When the ball made contact with my side of the table, it dipped forward or a little to the side. Seems like it had top spin and side spin. It cost me the rally. So do you have any tips for Christian on uh, playing against these spinny lobs? Yeah, so Christian against any lobbing in general, the biggest thing I find is the issue is that um, players don't utilise the time while the ball's in the air to move into position. So once you see that ball going up into the air, you need to move back a little bit, get yourself side on so that you're ready to make the, the smash. And then that allows you a little bit of time to see the ball kicking forward or sideways or whatever it is. A lot of players... When they see that ball go up, they their legs freeze, they stand there, and then suddenly the ball's on top of them. Um, and if it kicks forward, um, they're in a really square on position. It kicks forward and they haven't got a, a play on the ball. Or if it kicks sideways, then they're, you know, um, out of position as well. So, so really, really important that step back, step sideways, and just be in a ready position to move um, and and watch that ball. If you if you stay close to the table, um, you're always going to get into trouble, especially if that ball has got a lot of spin, a lot of top spin that kicks at you or side spin. So, um, yep, movement's the key. Yeah, good advice. And I guess as you get better at playing against that, you'll start to read the spin. Hopefully you'll know which way it's going to kick and that'll give you even more um, time once you're in position. So, yeah, good luck, Christian. All right, next up is a question from Navya, who says, Hello, I have a query. My problem is that when I hit a drive, I don't spin it. I just give it good speed. And is this effective in a game that I just hit a fast drive without much spin? Ah, uh, Navya, really important here. When, you, when you're trying to increase the speed on the ball, you really need to be putting a bit of top spin on the ball. If you hit the ball flat it can be it can be effective but 
your margin for error is really small because when you're hitting the ball flat, it's going straight in a straight line. So it, you haven't got any margin with the ball dipping. So just adding that little bit of topspin on the ball uh, when you're driving the ball faster gets the ball to dip. So it's bigger clearance over the net and dipping down onto the table. So I think this is a it's a um, a problem that I see a lot of players uh, get into when they start to want to hit that ball faster. So they think that to hit the ball fast, they need to really smash it hard. Um, the top spin is really the key. And if you watch all the top players in the world, they very, very rarely hit the ball flat unless the ball is up at shoulder or head height at least. So anything else, you must play with um, with lots of topspin. Excellent. So um, for Navia, what's the progression? So for learning how to play these strokes, you start off with the forehand counter hit and then move on to the forehand topspin? Yeah, the, the forehand counter hit is a good base to start with. And, and if you have a look at um, our lesson in the, in the strokes and techniques um, section of the website, um, there's a good lesson there on the forehand counter hit. Take real notice about your start and finish positions for that counter hit because that forms the base of all your forehand strokes going forward or your, your all your forehand topspin strokes going forward. So start with that good counter hit uh, base and then you can start to increase the, the, the spin on the ball. Um, yeah, so forehand counter hit, forehand topspin against block, and then forehand topspin against backspin are the three key um, strokes there that you need to just go through. Um, and then once you've done that, take a look at the advanced forehand topspin, and that will show you then how to increase the speed and, um, and pace on the ball. All right. Great question, Navia. Um, so make sure you work on your forehand topspin um, and just getting that top spin on the ball so then you can hit it fast with spin and speed. All right, good luck. Next up, Amakan has asked a question and Amakan is talking about the time between points. He says, after a point has been played, how long is too long before the umpire calls play and uh, says you must play now? Is it 10 seconds, 20 seconds? They're currently having a debate and hoping you can help them out, allies. Yeah, so unfortunately, there's no um, set time uh, put down in the rules. So I'll just read a little bit um, from the match officials handbook. Um, it says the requirement is for play to be continuous throughout a match, apart from authorised intervals. So, but if, it, if, for example, the ball goes outside the playing area, clearly play cannot continue un, until it is returned. Um, the intent of the regulation is to prevent deliberate time wasting, such as repeated bouncing of the ball, long pauses before serving, and prolonged discussions with the doubles partner, which should be firmly discouraged. So that's what it says in the match officials' handbook. That's what that's the directive that they've been given. Um, so um, keep play continuous. Um, stop uh, repeated bouncing of the ball and long pauses for discussions, etc. So. Um, yeah, there's no, you know, 10 second, 20 second time limit um, that uh, that they do have in tennis, for example. But um, but I think this, the spirit of the rule uh, works pretty well. Um, but sometimes, and I find especially in the in the um, the women's matches, 
they do tend to take a long time between points. Um, and for some reason, it, it does just get let go um, quite a bit. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm Because I'm not sure if bringing in just a time limit is the answer because then the umpire's got to have a stopwatch and, you know, the point finishes suddenly, you've got to start timing it. Like, again, it's another hard rule to police. So I'm kind of happy with the way the rule's um, written and I think in general it seems to be okay. But like you said, maybe they do need to enforce it a bit on some more women's matches. What are your thoughts? Do we need to bring in a, a, a specific time limit? Yeah, I, I, I think it would be good. I think because then you've got something concrete um, that you can go by, you know. Um, so if someone is wasting time, um, you can say, well, that's your 15 seconds up or your 10 seconds are up. Um, whereas and now what, they lose the point, or uh, they they'd get a warning, and then yeah, they, then they do lose a point. I think I think in tennis that's what happened, is isn't it? So if um, if you if you are, you know deliberately time wasting or taking too much time, you can have a point awarded against you. Yeah, I've seen it sort of occasionally, and it seems to come like out of nowhere. You know, they'll just suddenly they'll give a time violation, and I'm not sure they enforce it all that well either i mean i guess it's hard with the time and stuff but yeah interesting yeah is interesting and yeah i'm not i'm not i'm not 100 convinced either way but um yeah perhaps just something concrete there that you know you, the the club player can also go by because it's um it's difficult it's difficult to enforce you know how how much is too much uh, bouncing of the ball and how much is um too much discussion you know if you're Talking to your your doubles partner, you know, you allowed a couple of seconds, you allowed ten seconds, you allowed twenty seconds. Um, can I go and yeah, have a I cup of tea? Concrete time helps in that manner. The only problem is, like again, at the club level, is everyone going to have a stopwatch there? And then there are going to be arguments about how hey, you started that just before the point finished, or it was, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, yeah. yeah, good, yeah, good I, question. I, I, yeah, I wouldn't even see it as the umpire having a stopwatch on it, but um, but it's it's more of a guideline. So if you, um, hmm, I mean, it, people people tend to know what ten seconds is, and and you know, is it ten seconds? Is it thirty seconds? Is it five seconds? That sort of stuff. So yeah, but if you get someone calling you as a fault without a stopwatch, saying you've taken longer than ten seconds, they'll be like, prove it. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, good point. Good point. Yeah, and, 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 and as you said at the start, you know, is it just another rule that's going to be unenforceable? So, yeah. Anyway, let us know your thoughts, guys. Yeah, let us love to hear your thoughts. Great question, Amakan. Hopefully uh, you heard the uh, rules from the Match Officials Handbook. Hopefully that uh, helps you sort out the debate you've been having. And thanks for the question. All right, Alois, well, that wraps up show 206. Big thank you to everybody for watching and everyone who asked a question. Make sure you go to pingskills.com and sign up for our free account there so you can watch all of our strokes and techniques lessons, ask questions of Alois, and get our free weekly newsletter. And thank you, Alois. Thanks, Jeffrey. And Pingskillers, go out there and get excited about your pushing game. Bye. Enjoy your pushing.